0: Hey, Kat here. Uh, this week is a vacation week. And so we're going to play a repeat episode from a couple years ago where Pat and I answer a bunch of questions from the web. There's definitely some good nuggets in there that you can take with you into the new year. So take a listen and then we'll be back next week in 2023 with new ideas and new stuff to talk about. Um, so definitely check, check out this episode and then we'll see you in
1: twenty twenty three. Yeah, Kayla's coming back, right? At oh, some she'll point? be
0: she'll be around in a couple of weeks. I think she's got another month or so. All right. We'll see her then. Come and- on, Kayla. <laughs> well, in the meantime, the- take take a listen to this gem uh with questions from the web and we're excited to get a fresh start in twenty twenty three.
1: Okay. This is a think live Be production. Live. What is going on with you today?
0: (laughs) I I am in a silly mood. What's the matter? What's the matter with me? Yeah. Oh no. Um, I'm fine. Okay. It's just one of those days. I feel like actually it's been one of those weeks, months, years of just, you know, sometimes I feel so like I can't focus on anything. Yeah. And I have a hard time getting stuff done. We talked about that last week, didn't we?
1: Yeah. That is what we talked about.
0: So no improvements on that front, you so, guys.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but I am, uh, one thing I started doing this week was rereading the MREA book and not so much to get me back into focus. It was more to get inspired and to remind myself what the hell am I doing this for?
1: <laughs> and how's that working out for you?
0: It's good. It's good. The first... um Like, if you've never read that book before, pick it up and buy it immediately. But the first, um, you know, like, two chapters maybe, just talk about, like, all the myths behind, like, why you think you can't do certain things. Right. And, like, well, I, you know, I can't do it because, um, you know, oh, well, that person can, you know, be a seventh level agent, but I can't do it here. Because of? Because of this or that or
1: so they, they diffuse they, they show you all the magic tricks. They diffuse all of your excuses before you have a chance to say the excuses. Right. They see right through it because they've heard the excuses. Right. A they start the whole the
0: whole book starts with that before they get into the models. We've heard it all like,
1: be, we've heard it all before. And you're wrong. And you're all wrong.
0: <laughs> because we just analyzed a whole bunch of agents and here's how they're all doing it. And it can be done, and these are all different agents across the entire country.
1: Not all different Places and all different markets and and stuff. Exactly,
0: and there's common threads between each of them, and that's what build out the models. So just trying to get re inspired because sometimes it's really easy. I think, especially like there is something exciting about starting a new career or a new job or whatever. Right? Well, you know, this is now my fifteenth year, and it can start to feel like what's the word i'm looking for well like you feel like you're stuck sometimes and in in actually in that book they talk about that as well that you have your natural ceiling of achievement whatever that might be and everybody's is different there's no right or wrong it's just everybody has that natural level of ceiling of achievement and you can't break through that without doing something different Mm -hmm. or you know changing something or you know getting new people or whatever the, the, the Well, I
1: think it takes, you have to, it takes a certain amount of time before you can even see, how am I going to say this? Before you can even see that that's a thing. Like, I think a lot of people just kind of go through and just do however many sales a year and that's it. And they don't even think about like, this is holding me back or in order for me to get to the next level is like, they just kind of work and then, and just kind of do the sales and that's what they do. And that's, and well, that's fine, but that's that's a something that you've struggled with a long time. Is like, okay, what's next? Okay, what's next? Well, that's you what... even say that during the podcast. What's next? <laughs> right. So it's like you're you're always thinking, what's next? And then it's like you can see it, you can visualize it, but then how do I get there? How do I make my hands do what my head is saying? <laughs> you know, like that kind of a thing. Like that's 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 a and you. I guess what you're saying is that this book kind of lays out. Specifically, bust through all of your excuses.
0: Yeah, at the beginning of, of like why you then, can't right. take it to the next level. Um, and most of the time, I think the reason they start the book that way is because, well, they say you have to, in order to, if you want to be a millionaire real estate agent, first you have to think a million. You have to think that you can actually accomplish that. Mm-hmm. And then you gross it, which means you gross the money. You're not necessarily netting a million but you gross a million in sales and then you earn a million so you're earning that net income and then you can receive it which um would be like passive passively earning that money Mm -hmm. and then um then they, they actually added another one recently that's give a million so like if you like work all the way up to that level then you know what What can you do after you receive it? And passive income is you can make enough that you could actually give a million dollars to a charity or something. Right. That would be cool. But anyways, I'm rereading the book because, you know, you start to get stuck sometimes. It can happen.
1: And by the way, just for the listeners to know, this isn't the second time Catherine's reread this
0: book. Oh, no. This thing is highlighted on like every line. Every page has got a dog ear on it. So it's actually hard to – it's not hard to reread but if you really want to take something out of it this time like i it's hard to decipher what i'm trying to right, highlight and go back you to need, you need, <laughs> need a a new-
1: maybe get a new copy and start with uh with highlighter a first pass with it which is yellow and then highlighter b which would be like an orange one for the second read and stuff and start start over with a nice, clean book. I don't know how you do that. It would drive me insane.
0: Well, and the, the thing is, is, and the reason do- I...
1: Dog-eared, yes, but also paper-clipped. Well, and I've got some pages, folded, yeah.
0: The folded other- are the really good pages. Right. The ones you need to go back to multiple times. Um, no, they usually are, though, like... Um, it's not just a quotable line. It's like I have folded over, you know, the budget model. Like, because yeah. I want to look at that pretty regularly and compare mine and make sure I'm still, you know budgeting properly right <laughs> things like that um but yeah just you go back and reread these things because sometimes you get feeling stuck and this is a reminder of like number 1 how to do things the right way and, mm-hmm. and refreshing your memory and you're always in a different place when you're reading something like this so Mm-hmm. i I read a line the other day I've never been seen before
1: yeah so it applies differently depending on where you are yeah the, on that particular time and also it it's like ultimately you know this whole business everything about this business it's not like you know unless you're a buyer buyer's agent listening to this it's like you're you're a uh, single agent out there trying to do it and no there's no rule book there's no first there's no set of instructions. So it's real easy to kind of get up all in your head and forget about the pro the the laid out process of somebody else has already done this. They've told you the right way to do it, and sometimes you forget.
0: So I'm rereading this book because I want to look at all the models, but specifically, um, my goal is to get out of working with buyers and. Not not for any reason other than that is the model of building a long-term, successful business, a team within a real estate company, is to become the listing specialist. That's the model. So it's not just like, I don't like working with buyers or blah, 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 although sometimes I'm not sure about that, Um <laughs> But it's because I know that that is the path. I've read this book enough times to know that that is the path to building a successful long-term business that others can grow and become team members and be successful doing things underneath the big umbrella. Right. And so my goal is to stop working with buyers for that reason. And so I'm, I'm rereading the book for the bigger picture, but I'm also reading it with a different mindset of what are the models of like getting listings. So, you know, I recently took the Mega Agent, Mega Listing Agent course from Maps because if I want to take more listings, I've hit a personal ceiling on on taking listings, right. like I know I have. And it's not even a lot. It's just
1: Yeah, but because you're doing other things like Well, right, your, right. the responsibilities of buyers and other everything else, you can't you can't physically fit more into your day. Well,
0: and I should say, I've hit a ceiling with my own personal production of like, I know I'm to a point where I have to have other people to do more. And through those people, their advantage is joining a team and getting to do business instead of trying to figure it out on their own, having an established structure already that exists. And so there's value for them, but there's also value for me that I can continue to grow the business side of things. If I can just focus on listings. So I know that I'm at that point where you're like, I've got to break through and get to the next level. And that stuck feeling is why I'm so focused on that. So what are the models of getting more listings? There's people have done this before me.
1: Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like what you're just saying about reading it, for, reading it again. And but now you're in a different place. So the first time you read it, you were getting ready to hire your first assist- assistant, and you were in a place where getting out of buyers wasn't even a possibility. So you couldn't see it through those lenses. Now you're you've got uh, admin people that are taking care of all of the admin work, and now you're going back through it after hiring a couple buyers agents and and uh, and seeing it through a new lens. And I'm sure that once you get to a point where the next step would probably be to find a listings specialist or listing manager, and then a listing specialist. You will look through that book and 90% of the pages will be folded over at that <laughs> point. And you will see it through all brand new lenses Yeah, from that perspective.
0: Yes. So well, you know, this podcast is called seeking the best because that's what we're always trying to do. Like I'm always trying to figure out, there are people who have done all this stuff already. Um, why am I trying to every morning wake up and figure out like, how do, I, how do I do this from scratch? It's like, just go find somebody else who already did it and research what they're doing right. and what they did and apply it here. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. If there's
1: more than one way. You have to find the one that, find the successful person who's already done it. I'm sure there's multiple uh, attacks in the book of how of how to how to approach each one of these these problems or these humps or whatever you want to call it. Um, find the one that works the best for you and then don't change. Just do what they do, and then well, eventually they, you can get to a point where you know what you're doing enough that you, if you need to tweak something, you can kind of change something and stuff like that. But I mean, when it's all right there, I
0: mean, well, that's what you're what you're talking about is they and they talk about this in the first couple chapters too, is that you have to build the foundations before you can get creative. Sure, and, and that
1: applies to everything in life,
0: right? And so i I do feel like if you're a brand new agent and you pick up that book and you read it. It is a. It is just a guide to how to build a real estate business. You could, if if you're smart and you read it and you say, I'm going to just do this. If
1: you put your ego away. Mm-hmm.
0: You can really quickly build a successful real estate team. And now, or you can be like me <laughs> where, well, I don't think I read that right when I got started. Um, I didn't read it until I came yeah, to, a- after I came to Keller Williams, which was many years after I got my license. But once you... Once you pick it up, you can just go out and build a real estate team and just do it right then and there. But most of the time, we all have the idea that, like, well, this makes sense. But what if I did it like this? <laughs>
1: right. I want to put my spin on it. This and is, then- I want to, and and it all comes from ego and um ego, fear, and laziness. Yeah, are the three things that get in the way of just following what's in the book. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, because we don't want it. Nobody wants to do what it really takes. <laughs> you don't
1: want to do what it takes. You're afraid to take those steps. Yeah. And you, because and your ego gets in the way, saying, "I can figure this out on my own." Mm-hmm. Right. And those are all three things that make it instead of it happening over a couple years. Times it takes three times longer to do it.
0: Yeah. Um. So whatever. I'm rereading the book and with the with a different focus in mind and. Seeking my best in business planning, but with the perspective that I need to be our listing specialist in that org chart. And in order to do that, like what job responsibilities do I need to give up and give to other people? And it's all related to buyers and transactions, which are um, most of that is off boarded from me, except the buyers. Like I'm still right. a buyer's agent and right. a listing agent. So how do how do you just like completely separate yourself from that? And that has been difficult. Yeah.
1: Because um, it's hard to get the, I think the only way to, and I don't know, I haven't read the book, but I would assume that leveraging, you have to leverage enough people to be bringing in sales as buyer's agents in order to do what you do plus what on top of that because of percentages and splits well that you in order for you to just take a step out of the company on that side as an earner and letting other people do it they have to be able to do twice as much as what you do on your own you have to have enough people in place to do twice as much for to just stay even
0: well yeah i think we had some so we'll talk talk about buyers cuz got... I've done enough of those in my career that I feel like I could never do another one again and I'd be perfectly fine with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we had some like uh, questions from the web about buyers um, that we can go over and uh, see if I see if I feel like I can get rid of these.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, we're kind of in a a different format today as you guys can hear that Kayla's not with us today yeah so. she's not here so we're she'll be ju- back next week we're
0: so. just doing whatever we feel like
1: <laughs> all those kayla fans out there don't don't worry she'll team be back Ka- team kayla team kayla
0: <laughs> um but yeah this is our podcast i'm Catherine Stelchis, one of your co-hosts uh kayla boundy director of operations for the think libby team is out today and then my sound producer um sound engineer producer extraordinaire hello patrick fatiga hello and he's got some questions from the web and we're going to dissect some of these yeah. and I think they're all about buyers. Most of them are. Which is just a coincidence.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the question you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Questions from the West. Okay. Questions from the web. Hey, everyone. I found myself to have somehow fallen into being a buyer's agent. And since I'm new, I don't know if a buyer agent agreement is necessary. And if it is, when do I present this to the buyer?
0: Oh, okay. So a buyer's agent, like an exclusive buyer's agency agreement?
1: Yeah, which we call.
0: We now call it an engagement letter. Right because that's what my CPA calls the letter that I have to sign for right. them to start working on my behalf.
1: Yes, it has a totally different feeling. I like the way than, it sounds. Yes, it has a totally different feeling than calling it, what, what 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 do we call it before? We called it a loyalty agreement. Loyalty agreement. Loyalty agreement seems real mafioso, kind of <laughs> like this little kind of uh, cloud over everything, like this is our loyalty agreement, but- <laughs> an engagement letter is like this is the letter for us to start working for you. Yeah. It has a totally different vibe to it.
0: Yep, and I um the exclusive agency agreement, I'm all for the exclusive agency agreement. It's just in our state I found ours to be a little convoluted and long and it just buyers aren't used to signing things like that and so I found that if we just had our engagement letter that outlined like our duties as their representation and what we expect from them, then it actually sets the expectations up exactly the way you want them to because you wrote it yourself. It's not legally binding. Like, None it's of them not. Are. I mean, you can't, you wouldn't really be able to force some. I mean, you could potentially, but like, you're not really going to force somebody. If they go and buy a house without you, your broker's not going to pursue them <laughs> for the agency relationship, uh, most likely. So it really is just getting them to agree that we're on the same page and I'm going to go work on your behalf. And by the way, I'm going to show you properties in evenings, on weekends, sometimes. And so, if I'm going to be committed to doing that and helping you get into a house, that you're going to be committed to working with me. Right. And that's the script, by the way.
1: And that, right. That is how you say it to them. And then, and the other thing about it, about the importance, because it said, is it necessary? And I know that a lot of newer agents who haven't had to, do these kinds of things before maybe already having issues with scripts and remembering it doesn't come off quite as naturally as it should. But ultimately at the end of the day, these, these are there to protect you as the agent. And if you have somebody who's not willing to sign that piece of paper, you have to read in between the lines. They're telling you something. So, well, it's you, not even
0: in between the lines. It's literally you, saying, I'm uh, not willing to right. work exclusively with you. And if
1: they're not willing to work exclusively with you, then that means they will, they're the type of person, very possibly, that p- could turn on you in a second that will you will show them a bunch of houses and a bunch of properties and they're gonna stop on a Saturday morning at some open house and write up the offer with the person who is doing the open house. Like that it it's there just it's there to protect you, to save you the time and energy of working with somebody who isn't willing to put forth the effort to work with you. Yeah. And so if they're not willing to do it, after all the explanation and what it is and all those things and you say it the way Catherine had just said it, the script, um, that's a good fl- red flag for you to say, you know what, this isn't, I'm going to go find another buyer.
0: So we don't, um, so the guy said, is it necessary? I say yes. Um, it, your broker or team owner will decide what the standards of like your particular organization are.
1: But if you're not on, well, the, uh, they they actually did say they found a new, fell into a buyer's agent, but even, this would even be, you know, if you're just a single agent,
0: if you're a single agent, you it's your business. You choose. And so if you choose to go do run around and show properties to someone who won't sign an exclusive agreement of some kind with you, then you are wasting your time and you'll find out soon enough. Like I because I did that for a really long time. And I would go show properties and then, you know, the people would spend an hour at seven o'clock at night looking at something and then they wouldn't write an offer. In fact, they would never respond to you again. And I decided that's not worth, that's not how I want to do business.
1: We also don't ever go and open a door for somebody that calls on a sign.
0: Well, that's just a safety thing too. But
1: regardless of, it it is, but they don't, we don't, no agent says we get a call on a sign and say, we want to see 123 Main Street. Can we see it at seven o'clock? No no agent on the think B team drives over there just to open a door for people. They don't know.
0: I wish like nobody ever told me, I don't even think I really knew what an exclusive agency agreement was for a long time. Nobody told me about that. And I, I think it was just because people just didn't use them. Like I think it's become more popular now to have some kind of agreement in writing with a buyer. But when I first got into real estate, it's there one of wasn't the only
1: new trends. That's actually a good thing.
0: <laughs> um, well, so I didn't really know what it was. And then I got screwed over one time where I literally had shown buyers multiple houses. I've probably talked about this before on the podcast, but um, if you're a new listener or maybe you don't remember hearing my stories. Um, <laughs> so the, the I, I had shown a lot of houses to buyer. I had written offers for them and we, found, we wrote an offer and the, they wanted closing costs to be paid by the seller and the seller wouldn't do it. And so they found an agent that would give them back um, a large portion of the commission in, um, you know, for their closing costs. Well, of course that agent said, sure, sure they don't because they didn't you, have to show you any houses. Right, they
1: didn't spend the first two <laughs> to three weeks writing multiple offers to other houses or showing properties or anything to them. Right. All they had to do is come in and write up an offer.
0: So so that agent said, sure, I'll do that. And, um, and they just left and went and wrote an offer. And you could say like, oh, well, you have procuring cause, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Again, I go back to you, it's really difficult to get your broker yeah. or or to to call you know to use procuring cause and actually get a commission check um especially with buyers cuz they'll and, just say i decided i didn't want to work with that person anymore
1: right and and i would just say real quick that that was you didn't have any paperwork signed with those people and maybe that other realtor said are you working with anybody else have you se- seen any properties with anybody else uh, let's just say for argument's sake that that's a good agent and that's what they asked they probably the the buyers said, no, we're not, right? Uh we didn't sign anything. But you if you get that piece of paper signed, those people might have a little bit more of a difficult time just ball face lying about it. So that's another
0: so do I think it's necessary? Yes, I do. And I wish somebody would have told me about it sooner. Um but that's the whole that goes back to like I said, I'm rereading the millionaire real estate agent. I didn't get that book until a little bit later in my career, and I didn't know how to treat this business like a business. I was just operating as an agent and going around doing whatever, letting other people dictate my day. It wasn't until I got the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book, joined Keller Williams, and like, really dug in for a few years that I realized, like, I am doing this all wrong. (laughs) And there is a reason why your attorneys, your CPAs, your professionals, your business professionals get stuff in writing like they do not start working for you until you've agreed to pay them.
1: Most places, you, you just named a few, but let's just let's open it up most places require payment like this is one of the f- f- tiny tiny jobs where you where you are working for somebody and they never actually pay you well specifically
0: so that's the biggest so it reason is, it is
1: a weird rub because everything else like most people like pay half up front or percentage up front pay the other half upon completion of whatever the job is or whatever
0: That's one of the, that's why it's even more important that if, if they won't sign it and they're not even obligated to pay you, somebody else is paying you for the services. If they won't sign an agreement, drop them because they're just, they're telling you, I'm not willing to commit to working just with you, which means I'm going to go to whoever will help me. In the moment. Right. And if you are out with your family for dinner one night and can't answer my phone call, I'm just going to go call someone else. And you don't want clients like that because that's just a waste of time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They have no respect for your job mm-hmm. or what you do at, at, at all. Otherwise, they wouldn't be saying those things. We're getting so feisty. If they, well, they, they, I mean, it's true. It's like, it's like why would you want to work with that person? Yeah. It's like you could go in the amount of time that it takes to maybe show these people three, four, five houses, get a couple offers First of all, they, they don't respect what you do, so they're not going to listen to your suggestions when it ta- comes to making offers or any of those. They're going to do exactly what they want. It's like, think about how much time and effort and energy that takes for that to just, and after it falls apart, and how much of that time could have been spent looking for other buyers, other clients. You could have gotten two mm-hmm. or three in the amount of time and energy that was spent on one that wasn't willing to commit to you. It's bad business. Well,
0: and especially like, because, you know, when I got into the business, well, it's it's the same but different. When I got into the business, um, there were so many thousands of listings for sale that you could spend months showing houses with somebody. Right. they
1: had a lot to choose from. They
0: had a lot to choose from. But I was going to say, you know, all the more reason back then to get somebody to sign up. Well, all the more reason now. Because you have to jump through hoops and writing, you know, you're writing so many more offers than you used to have to. And there more people are falling through on the contracts and having to get back out there because they, they think they're paying top dollar and then they're getting scared during inspections and so many things that we're dealing with in this market that you have to make sure that people are seriously committed to you. because
1: What that says to me is that's if it was the opposite, before and you needed to and now it's or, and now it is what it is and you need to and then you always then need you to then you always need to yeah. yeah yeah there is no time where that's not important
0: but i would go back to this particular person's question and say you know at the end of the day if you're on a team they should have the systems and standards in place of what they expect
1: right so, go that's a talk question, to- That's a question you need to ask your team leader. Yeah. Because they already know what it is.
0: Right. Because they, they might have a separate agreement other than an exclusive agency, you know, like like we do. They, right. they might have something else it, that they want signed. And it,
1: it says, when do I present this to the buyer? So, I know you have a system- Oh, well, you have to present
0: it at the consultation. Right.
1: But what do you do when you, like with the process of like when you pull that piece of paper out, don't you like say- hand this to them and then say, I'm going to go make some copies and let them kind of go over or something like that.
0: Yeah. I think we talked about this in one of our, we may have like a, it's Okay. there's probably a buyer one somewhere. Um, yes. In the consultation. So have a consultation with the buyer. You're not going out and showing a bunch of properties until you've talked to them and understand what it is that they're looking for. So that you can actually be their guide and help them along that path. So you're going to have a consultation. And then at the end of the consultation, The natural close is, okay, great. So I think I have a good understanding. And I think I do. (laughs) I do have have a good understanding of what you're looking for. I'm going to get your search set up so that we can start looking at properties. And now I'm just going to go over my duties to you as your agent. And you pull out and say, okay, this is our engagement letter. This allows me to get to work on your behalf. And I'm going to go through it with them. And depending on their personality type, I'm either going to go line by line or I'm going to breeze right through it. Because if they're definitely like a disc person or a D personality where they're like, okay, I'm going to go. Right. <laughs> like sometimes I can feel like they're over talking about this and they want to get out of there. I'm just going to say, okay, great. So I'm going to get to work on your behalf. Here's our engagement letter so I can get started with that. Have a read. I'll be right back. <laughs> and then you come back in and they've already signed it. Right. But if they're super detail oriented, then when you put it down in front of them, I'm going to hit the highlight points of like, okay, great. So this is. These are my duties to you as your agent. I'm going to go over the top three or four. And then I'm going to go, okay, and this is what I ask of you as a buyer. And then I'm going to say, okay, so this allows me to start working on your behalf and make sure that I'm going to be really committed. We're going to be looking at houses at all different hours. I'm going to be committed to finding you this home. And I just want to make sure that you're as committed as I am and that you're willing to do these few expectations that I have for you. Sound good? Okay, sign.
1: Yeah. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the number, how many... You personally, how many times have you handed over, done what you just di- did, the script that you just did, handed that over to the buyers, and the buyers say, uh, "We don't want to sign that." Yeah, how, you specifically, how many times has that happened to you?
0: I think I can only Percentage think of times. one time.
1: Once out of the hundreds and hundreds of buyers.
0: No, I've I've been with um other team members, like as I've had buyers agents over the years, that that has happened to many times, um or. I, I have shadowed them, and it's happened, but personally, once. Yeah. I don't think that girl ever bought anything.
1: Well, that's <laughs> what we just said, right? No, I mean, that's that's the whole point.
0: But she would have absolutely, I would have shown her a bunch of houses yep. and gone through all of that, and nothing would have come of it. Right.
1: Big waste of time.
0: And there's still times, like, there's times where people sign it, and they don't end up buying something, or something changes in their circumstances. and 80%. And that happens. That's why you have to work your goals backwards and you you account for the fallout rate. Right. But I'm not going to calculate in for people who aren't even going to sign the paperwork. I'm not going to, you know, those are set, held, but not taken. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I don't really, for myself personally, I don't really have a conversion rate for that because it is so few. I'm talking one in 15 years. But our numbers collectively when a new agent comes on, I do see that fall a little bit. Think, and I'd strictly confidence yeah. in presenting that engagement letter. There's some fear with newer agents that like and I don't know why.
1: I don't either. Because I, it's I not, not it. like it's not like any different than any other page that they're signing that they sign. It's like it's like you're it's it's crazy. It's like even think about it, like even when you're doing when you're getting work done at at uh, on a on your on your house or something like that and it's like okay well they want the email the company wants the, you to send the email saying i approve of this i wish for the work to commence or whatever it is like some sort of written thing that says we're going to get started and we're going to work together on this yeah right and it's like i i just don't understand like why any newer agent like why they're afraid of that it doesn't make any sense to me i
0: don't either i really don't um maybe we'll, we'll get to the bottom of that
1: yeah maybe because
0: i you know what and the differences um so back to my story of when i started to use what i called a loyalty agreement um it was out of something bad happening and i was like i am not gonna have that happen again Right, And so I did it with such confidence because I was like, I do not care. If they don't sign it, I will not. Maybe
1: that's the key, right? Is that you did it to a point of where if they don't sign this, I don't care. I'm moving on. Whereas a newer agent is just so nervous and excited to have an actual appointment that somebody showed up for that they're so afraid of losing it, right? It's like that. I'm not a big fisherman, but I do know that there's, you know, when you send that lure out there and stuff. If you just let it sit there and you don't yank on it every once in a while, you're not gonna you're not gonna hook that fish. The fish is just gonna think that, the, and it's like there is an element to that too of like you know you they're just they're so nervous and they're so just happy that they have an appointment that they're so afraid of losing it that that just seeps out of their skin and the buyer can sense. Something is weird. And so they just don't want to do it. That's, that's the only thing I can think of.
0: Normally, your analogies are really good. I did not follow that fish one. That's right. <laughs> um, But I will say one of the things that I, I heard probably in a class or somebody said it once and, and um, it just has stuck with me. And it's just that at the end of any presentation or consultation, it is a natural thing for there to be a close Right. So I, th- I think of that, too, when I go on listing appointments and I don't always get listings to sign because guess what? They have to pay you.
1: Yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah. So
0: so it is like sometimes there are objections to working together um, on the buy side. I find that usually there's no objections as long as I listened and I asked a bunch of questions because at the end they're like, oh, wow, I feel really heard. And this doesn't cost me anything. Right. Like there's no reason for them to sign um, or not to sign. But with sellers, they have objections sometimes that can be related to commission. It can be related to the fact that you want to price their home less than what they thought it was worth. So there are big dollar figures involved that sometimes a seller won't sign right then and there. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to figure out how to handle those objections. Which I still work on regularly, seeking my best. Um, but w- it is still a natural thing to get to the end of those presentations and close. And if you don't, it's actually kind
1: of weird and awkward. Right. And it's like, okay, so now what? <laughs> it is a weird thing. Like yeah. you
0: didn't explain what's going to happen next yeah. if you don't go through that. Yeah. So absolutely necessary, done. Okay.
1: <laughs> you want to take a quick break? Sure. All right, let's take a break. And we're back. Hello. Go ahead and say
0: it. <laughs> What's next? There you go. Are we got we've got more questions from the web, yeah. I think, this week. Yeah, we
1: have more questions. Okay. Okay. Next, next question is an agent in my office went out of town and asked me to show her client a property. The other realtor took the client out twice before before to look at properties, but she never made him sign a buyer's agreement form. Oh, another buyer agreement thing. Uh, the client and I connected greatly, and he said he doesn't really like the other agent and would rather sign up with me instead. What's my best way to handle this? Well, first of all, it's an agent in your office, so awkward. That is awkward.
0: Um, read the first part again. Okay. I just want to like, I want to okay. understand the. An
1: agent in my office went out of town and asked me to show her client a property. That agent. Took okay. Stop. The stop, out stop, twice. stop. 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 Okay.
0: An agent in the office asked to take a client out, and now that client wants to work with the agent that like, helped out? Yes. Okay. No, absolutely. You cannot. <laughs> End of question. How ridiculous.
1: The client and I connected greatly, and he said he doesn't re- like the other agent, the first agent, and would rather sign up with me instead. I've shown them two properties. <sighs> no he belongs to the other agent but in it, and and once again like the fact that i mean you shouldn't be listening to more episodes of this <laughs> show but the idea that they brought up um she never made him sign a, a buyer's agreement form as if that's some sort of okay for you to do whatever you now that agent should have had them sign that but that doesn't mean you get to poach that that no person
0: no that's some ins- you wouldn't you, you, you have to go back to and this is true for anything how do you know this person and if the answer is through someone else that's an agent then it's not your client right. period end of discussion you should have just immediately said i'm so sorry i really appreciate how much you have enjoyed working with me so-and-so is your agent and I'm happy to help her or him as as they need me to and and, you know maybe we'll see each other again but I can't I can't just uh, steal you away from them and the fact that you know that there's nothing signed means you ask that question and like that's yeah that's overstepping for sure on somebody that you would not know if that person hadn't asked you to help them right so no go go Mm -hmm. check your ethics um, sir (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: but keep listening. <laughs> keep listening, right? No, I think but, but that's the, super wrong. Yeah, the, and I mean that's that's an explanation that that or a uh, a question that we've seen in the past with with buyers agents like not understanding that the clients that are under the Think Live B umbrella are the clients of Think Live B, and if you leave the team. They do not go with you. They are the t- You met those people working under, going, doing open houses for ThinkLive You met them because they called on a sign through ThinkLive B. Those uh, ThinkLive B's admin fac- facilitated all the sale and stuff. So you don't get to take those clients with you. They don't belong to you. They belong to the team. And in this particular case, that person who is a buyer. And this other agent who's worked, you have no idea how much time and energy and prospecting and, and postcards went to this person and how much time was invested in that person becoming a lead and coming to them that you don't, that they don't belong to you.
0: No. And so let's take a step back because, um, if this person had just posed this question as like, Hey, I showed this buyer a couple houses and I found found out they were kind of working with somebody else, but they didn't really like them and they don't have anything signed. That is a little bit of a different story right. because this then isn't-
1: Specifically, you knew you were doing a favor for the realtor. Well,
0: so where, where do you know that person from? They're a lead that you met somewhere. Right. You met that, let's say you met that person in open house and then they were like, hey, there's a couple houses down the street. Can we see those too? And you're like, Sure you should do a consultation and get an engagement letter signed first. But so you agree to show them some houses and then you find out that they have somebody they've been working with, but they don't like them and they don't have anything signed. Well, that's your lead from the open house to work and to try to convert to a buyer. They don't have an exclusive relationship with somebody. That's yours to try to work. This is not the same scenario. This, This is somebody that you met through the referral, not referral, but like relationship of somebody else. It's somebody else's client. You have absolutely no business to taking that. Right. It's not your lead yeah. that you didn't work to earn that business. Yeah, I stand way firmly by this comment. <laughs> okay, yeah. now I'm fired up. <laughs> That's all fired up now.
1: <laughs> What's next? Okay, well, I got another question here. I just noticed on Zillow that you can filter out and see Fizbo's that are having open houses. I feel like this would be a great way uh, to go out and meet them. My only issue is what to say. What's a good way to approach them?
0: Mm, you're asking the wrong person. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that is a great way to find for sale by owners um, because they often think that like, hey, I can sell my house. So I can just put it on Dillow. Um So they'll have their phone numbers and it's there for the public to see. And Is that, and a, newer, all that. Is that
1: a newer thing?
0: Uh, no, it's always been like oh, okay. that. Um, so yeah, that's a good way to find leads for open house people without paying a service to put that list together for you. So definitely you can do that. I mean, I think the biggest key, and I still, I don't, um, we actually started this podcast uh, back pre-pandemic. And the idea was that I was going to start working for Sale by Owners. And we pivoted this podcast And um, I didn't go back to doing that, but I have in the past. And I do think the biggest key to for sale by owners is just getting in the door. That's all it is. However, you can get your foot in the door to meet them because once you've met them, if you can just follow up with them, they'll like you just and you're just there. Right. Like that is that's the 100 percent key to for sale by owners because they're not whatever day you're calling them. They're not ready to list. It takes several weeks of just following up, following up, following up. But they are getting millions of other calls. So imagine how many calls you get that you feel like are spam and sales calls. I don't know who any of those people are because I didn't inquire for them to call. They're just calling. Right. So So the only way they're going to remember who you are is if you've gotten in front of them. Mm -hmm. So trying to get a preview appointment first and foremost and then keep open in house,
1: touch open house is tough i mean it is a it's a probably the easiest way to get into the house is is a, and to meet the owner is with an open house because the doors are open and you can do that but you're also risking are there other agents there that day what well, doing exactly what you're doing are they talking there's to, not are they i know But well, you're risk you're risking that you're risking are they talking to other people all of the. What if we get two minutes into a conversation and a family of four shows up, right? Then our our conversation is cut short. Yeah, ideally so you, you
0: want an exclusive preview. But
1: but still, I think op- the, an open house will. You know, if you don't aren't willing to take that step to try to get a hold of them specifically with the, a phone call and get a, a preview, um, then the open house is the next step. And I think and it said. It says uh, what to say. I think you just have to, what, you just have to kind of listen, ask questions, um, and uh, ask if you can follow up, right? I mean, well, I, mean I, I don't really know.
0: Yeah, I'm, I mean, you're asking them questions about like, how are things going? How many offers have you gotten? <clears throat> how many showings? What's the feedback been? How'd you come up with your price? I'm just curious. How'd you come up with your price? Like, casually, not like. What's this price all about? How did you come
1: up with this price.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, but like questions like that, and where are you moving to? So one of the things that I think works really well is is to call them and approach them as if they're a buyer. Because truly like I think people get in their head, and I do this too, so I'm not trying to be all like holier than thou. Is like you're afraid to call someone to get a preview because You feel like you're misrepresenting, like as if you have a buyer. Well, don't do that, okay? You don't have to say you have a buyer, but do you work with buyers? Do you work with buyers in the area where the for sale by owner is? Then legitimately, you should want to know what the inside of that house looks like. We have an inventory shortage right now. So it is a legitimate thing to want to see houses that are not readily available on the MLS to see if it might be a match for some of our buyers who are having a hard time finding a house. So it's a really easy call to make if you're just coming at it from that approach or coming at it like, hey, I see you have a house for sale. Are you thinking of buying a house? Do you have an agent to help you with that? And then um, then you're building a relationship trying to help them buy something.
1: Right. So
0: that those are two approaches to talking with them. But then the biggest thing is just like, hey, I'd love to stop by and take a look at the house. When mm-hmm. can I do that?
1: And then when that person says, When you get into the conversation and they say, uh, well, what do you think on the price? Or what do you think uh, on on staging and blah, 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 and all of those things? Because we've seen this before too, is you can offer them something, some sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Generic? Yeah, something generic, but do not go and do a bunch of work for a FSBO because we've seen that people make that mistake too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's- you, you are not their agent. And if they want that kind of advice, then great. let you're in. <laughs> and, and actually it's a really big clue. I think when somebody mm. starts asking you like, what do you think about the price? Yeah, Cause
1: they're, they're, that means that could very easily mean they're at the end of the process.
0: Yep. I a hundred percent think that's true. And, um, so if you've got somebody that's like, well, what do you think about the price or, um, You know, they're having issues with getting, you know, maybe they've had a bunch of showings. Like what I tell people a lot in in script practice, and this is mostly buyer script practice, but it's just true for everything, is like you're looking for a gap to fill. So if somebody's saying like, if you're like, how many showings have you had? And they say, oh zero. like it's just been, I get a million calls from you agents, blah, blah, blah. Well, zero showings in a market like this is weird, right? So you say, Oh, that's interesting. Like the market has been really strong. We've we've just gotten quite a lot of showings over the past weekend. I'm surprised you didn't get any. Your house looks really nice. Um, you know, what are you doing to market it? And you're maybe creating a little bit of doubt in their mind that maybe they're not doing the right things. And then, um and then you're just trying you know,
1: to you know what the answer is, is we put it on Zillow. Right. Or I've got that's, a sign in the yard or yeah, whatever. They, they took some pictures with a the, with their cell phone.
0: Yeah. Well, and I've even seen for sale by owners that have like professional photos and they've got it on and they've got it on. Yeah. The limited service in the MLS and, um, you know, but yet their house still hasn't sold. Well, there's something there. That means that something is off and they're going to have questions about it. And you're just trying to kind of look for those gaps of like what their issues are. Like what if they say, well, I've had like 10 showing appointments, but people keep not showing up. Right. Well that's annoying and I know how that goes cuz we have that happen as agents um and then you could just say like why do you think that's happening? You're just creating a little bit of doubt as to why they're experiencing that and maybe it would be a different experience if they had a professional right. who was helping them.
1: And if you the, and the more questions you ask and this is true whether it's you're talking to a fisbo or you're out on a, a blind date either way when you ask a lot of questions the first question they might not open that much up but by the end you know everything about that person and whether they're crazy or not, right? <laughs> so so just keep asking questions, see where that question leads, ask another question, and at the end, you'll have a pretty good gist. Don't do all the talking. You're not there to give them advice or any of those things. You're just asking questions. And why do you think that is? And what, huh, that's, that's interesting, that is what the else?
0: that is the benefit to for sale by owners that I've seen in the past is that and they love to talk. They do like to talk. Like in in general, not all of them. You're going to get somebody that hangs up on you, um, but in general, they do view you as an ally. Yeah.
1: They think they're and they think they're th- that they're selling. Like the, right that they're they, telling they you about a, it. They think you're they're they're selling it right. They're, they're this is an opportunity for me to sell the house to this realtor might have a buyer and stuff. So they love to just kind of start talking. So yeah, if you can just listen and just keep asking questions, you can learn everything that you want to learn, rather than getting in your own way.
0: I have been thinking about starting back up what we had started before the pandemic hit and shifted gears, um, just because I have seen. Kind of not a lot, but I've definitely seen some more signs popping up because look, the prices are great. They've heard that um, the market's moving really quickly. It is one of those markets where I think that they believe that they can do it themselves and still get as much money because, right. well, there's a housing shortage. So why wouldn't I be able to just sell it myself and get that much money? And, you know, yes, that's insulting to us as agents because yeah. we're like, well, I've been doing this for 15 years. So the idea that you can do exactly what I'm going to do um, without any skill training or um, education. Sure. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. God, that's <laughs> so that's insulting. and And yet that is that's still the that's still going to be out there. So your your goal is just to get in front of them. So they put a face to a name so that when you call them next week, they remember who you are. And at some point. When their house hasn't sold and they need someone.
1: And you're the only one that's continuing to call them.
0: And you've done it consistently like you said you were going to. That's the biggest part too. And this is why I struggle with it is the consistency part. Right. Is like you have to do it consistently because if you tell them like, okay, great. Well, I hope, you know, I hope you wish you best of luck this week with getting an offer. I'll follow up next week. Well, you better follow up next week. Yeah. Because that's what you told them you were going to do. You're, you're actually giving them like a preview of working with you.
1: Of what it is. Yeah.
0: Before you actually get a listing.
1: And if you don't, well, you just wasted your time. Why'd yeah. you even go out there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you've got to block that time if you're going to do that. But that that's the biggest key is how do you approach them? Ask them to preview their home. Right. Go get in front of them.
1: Okay. <sighs> Goodness. <laughs> What's next? Okay. Uh, last question.
0: That wasn't a buyer question. I thought we were doing all buyers.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was okay. a FISBO. Okay. Yeah, that's true. You tricked me. Okay. Uh last question. Okay. What what do you expect when you join a team? What should I expect from the team leader and what should they expect from me? It seems the fact that they're taking fifty percent that I that I should be flooded with buyer leads rather than me being responsible for half the leads from my SOI.
0: Oh man, that's like a whole show in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah. Like what do you expect from a team? I think the biggest thing is um, joining a team, like what you're getting is, it depends on the team, right? Like every team is a little bit different, but you're getting either the team owner as a mentor, basically, or you're getting a sales manager who knows what they're doing and is going to help you and guide you when you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> Um you're getting all of the systems and processes that they've been putting in place for however many years they've been in business, m- tweaking things, seeking the best, redoing it, um, trying it again,
1: admin support,
0: admin support, um, marketing, all of those things. So, you are going to have leads the way that, um, First of all, like you shouldn't look at things like you're giving money because that's not how it's going. They're actually paying you for a job. When you join a team, you're, you are, even though you're paid as an independent contractor, you're basically like you're an employee. You work for someone else and you are going to follow their systems and processes to produce results for their organization. And in return, you will get paid very well for the job if you're doing your part, but you have to contribute too. And I think that's true with any business. It's like you it's, if you're in the sales business, part of sales is going out and finding new business to bring to the table. Otherwise, why add new salespeople? If you're just going to work the business that we already have, then I'm actually giving you as the team owner half of my business. So you're being paid for the work that you're doing. You're not giving commission away to the team owner. That's not the way it works. Right,
1: And it's also kind of small thinking too, because you might, and I don't know this person, but you might be doing eight sales a year, 10 sales a year. And you're like, well, I'm going to give half of my, half of my commission away. And it's like, but being on that team will allow you to do, because there's the support and all the other things will allow you to do 25 sales. With the same, In the same amount of, of time, in the same amount of work, without the stresses and all those things. So at the end of the day, you're actually making three times what you were, would have been making on your own. Yes. So it's a very small thinking of going from like, I do 12 sales a year. And uh, now I'm going to join a team and they're going to take half and I'm going to make half the amount of money. Well, and
0: you're paid in direct proportion to the work that you do. So some, you said that split amount, some buyers agents don't make that. It depends on what you're doing.
1: Well, don't you do a thing where you like...
0: Well, there's there's like a pie chart that a lot of teams use. And I think it works really well because it's like any business, um, in order to make a profit margin you have to make sure that a certain percentage of every sale goes to pay the business operations and have a profit, right? So every sale has a certain percentage split that just automatically goes into the business. And then from there, the other job responsibilities are, are built out. So in, in most teams that I've seen have it where 50% automatically goes straight to the business. And that's from every sale check. That's to pay the operations of the business and to have a business profit. Then you've got um, the amount that goes towards setting an appointment, following up and um, like lead follow up, you know, or going, you could say um, going on the appointment or taking the buyer, basically. Mm -hmm. So setting the appointment, taking the buyer. Um, so that's the consultation part we talked about earlier. How many people have you not gotten to sign, right? If you take more buyers, well then you earn that percentage of that piece. And then you've got who's showing the properties. If it's the buyer's agent, then the buyer's agent has to earn the, the proportion of that that goes towards the showing because that's time consuming. And then who's doing the offers and negotiation. That's a percentage too, because that's a high level skill. To be able to do that and to deal with that drama, <laughs> um, so it's split up, and that's not exact for every team, but it it you're per, you're paid in proportion to the job responsibilities that you have. So if you're a buyer's agent, and you're you, not
1: if you're a buyer's agent and you're not doing any of the transaction coordination because right. the office has a transaction coordinator, well. Right. You're not filing
0: the paperwork with the office. You don't know what payroll is. You've yeah. never seen a, a 941 form before. Right. You don't know you're what. Not,
1: you're, you're not actually on the computer setting up 8x8s eight and 12x12s, and 12 12, sending them out to Sphere and to, to databases and right. to doing all of those things. And you're not responsible for any of the signs going in the yards. And you're not responsible for any of those aspects. The list Somebody is needs, gigantic. Right. But because you're not responsible for any of those things, you also don't have to spend any time doing them, which frees you up to get more leads.
0: Well, and so, and so back to, back to, wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. no, 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 I want to (laughs)
1: go. So, so when it, what that does is it frees you up to get more leads. So when he says, why would, am I responsible for 50% from my SOI? That's why. Well, that's why you're responsible.
0: So, number one, what? Yes, what? If you're going to be a member of the team, you need to be contributing. So, what does contributing look like? It looks like generating new business for the for the organization that didn't already exist. Otherwise, you're just servicing it, and that you could get paid hourly for that. If you're just going to service the business, and not grow it, then why am I paying you a commission, right. right? Then, then you could just be a service provider working underneath me. You know, right. I pay you hourly. And there,
1: are, there are teams that do that that pay hourly for people to open doors.
0: So, yep, you can pay for showings to like per door and stuff like that. Um, So, but then the the other part of that is, so if you think about it from the MREA model, because we were talking about that book, reading it earlier, most, um, a real estate business profit margin should be like somewhere around, depending on what size, somewhere between like 30 to 40%. Like when they first built the book out, it was 40%. Mm -hmm. Your cost of goods sold is like 30% and your expenses are 30%. Okay. So if I take every gross commission check and for the business and I take 50%, well, 50%, then what's 40% minus, what's 50% minus 40%. So 10%. So from that commission check, If I want to have a profit margin for the business and actually earn a profit on the business that I've built, I actually can't pay all of my expenses from that 50% because expenses are about 30%. Mm -hmm. So really for every 50% that's going into the business, 30% is to run and operate the business. So I'm not actually making a profit margin that I could make by having you there as a team member. Right. So you have to contribute new business in to keep the profit margin a reasonable amount so that everybody gets paid. I know this
1: is like- It's confusing, but but I think that it kind of makes it sound, the question kind of makes it sound like, um. so wait a minute, I'm a buyer's agent. I have to give a bunch of my commission and uh, I still have to do all this other stuff and you're ignoring all of the other aspects of-
0: Well, and in fairness, it's because when you- you know, if you're coming in as a new agent, well, then you definitely haven't read the MREA. You don't understand how like a business is built. And,
1: and you also don't understand how much money it actually costs to train you. Oh, yeah. Off the top.
0: Well, and don't. Yeah, that's the the other part is if I if I hire as a middle Level team, right? Because you can't, you don't just go from like single agent to seventh level. You, there's this middle part, right? Where I'm, I'm kind of there. Yeah. And I'm working with sellers and buyers. If I hire a buyer's agent and I just give you all of the buyers and don't take any myself and I just give you all the buyers, as the team owner, I'm actually losing money if you're not bringing in other business. Right. Now, you could say, well, you should be generating leads and that should free up time to get more listings, blah, blah, blah. But getting in the weeds on things, the point is, is that you can't join a team and not contribute new business sales. That's not what sales business is about. (laughs) Otherwise, why hire any new sales members? The point is to grow, right? Right. Not, not for one team owner to give half of their business to somebody else to service it and not for you to come in and not bring any new business in. It's everybody wins. You do, you get, and we've talked about this probably before, but this is where I was saying there, this is like a whole nother episode is the three buckets. It's like, you're not just bringing in half your sphere and half is the other business. Well, what I've learned is that it's like three buckets. You're going to have leads that are provided for you to work. You still have to convert them. Otherwise, again, why am I paying a commission if you can't convert business? Um, then you have team opportunity, which would be things that you like going to open houses. It's like anybody can go and sit in an open house. So it's an opportunity to generate business from that source. Mm-hmm. Um then you have your sphere. That should be one of your buckets. Number one, because it's stupid not to work your sphere.
1: <laughs> like which we, and if we have to I mean, we're eighty five episodes in. If we have to explain this to you, go go back and listen. Well, yeah, I so mean, so come on, guys.
0: Really, like everybody should have a sphere and work it. otherwise get out of real estate because um, that is a big source of business for any agent. But again, you have to bring something to the table otherwise why why would you be a member what, of a team yeah. what are you bringing
1: that's not that i couldn't pay somebody hourly to do
0: right but that's because you
1: have a real estate license well somehow.
0: so so go back to like there are companies whose model is more like hourly or i think like redfin does this where yeah, you're just going to get paid to go open a door and yeah. you don't have to bring in any new business. You can just like sit around and wait and you will be paid in direct proportion to so no what, what you're what you doing do. right. as well, Right. which will be a whole lot less <laughs> yeah. than what you could earn if you just plug into the systems and marketing that is provided for you on a team to reach your sphere. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point is like, you don't actually have to figure out what to do for your sphere. You just have to make four calls a year. That's all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cuz cuz a team will have it all laid out for you of exactly what to do.
0: So just make your calls. <laughs> Anyways, what's next? <laughs> buyers. Buyers agents. <laughs> I love them.
1: Small win. Small Catherine, small mm. win.
0: Oh, man. What's you, my small win? I
1: don't know. I haven't <laughs> seen you all week.
0: Um, I guess just because Mark's in town. Oh, yeah. My, my brother came to visit. Um, Haven't seen him since before the pan- pandemic. So it's almost been almost two years. Yeah. like a year and eight months since I've seen my brother. So he got to finally come visit and we're all vaccinated and all that good stuff. So. Yeah. So, yep, he's around here somewhere. He wanted to be a guest and we were like, you don't know anything about this podcast. You
1: haven't. You don't even know the name of it. You haven't listened to any of it. He's like, I'll come and I'll ask questions about real estate. And we're like, go upstairs.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that would be a small win.
1: Okay, and my small win is uh I did uh I, as listeners know, we we're working on the house and I uh have been working in the master bathroom and there was some really gross tile, the grout was all cracked and yellow and and it, and you know all the tile in there is uh white subway tile. So any sort of crack in the grout or discoloration jumps out. So I uh learned something new this week and I I got a little grout bit for my dremel tool and shaved all the grout out it came out super easy it's very simple to do and bought some pre-mixed white grout and filled it all in and the whole bathroom looks like it was re just brand new done uh like like the whole thing was was just done so that was a really good learning uh learning experiment and um it went off with that hitch
0: um you said learn something new and it, it made me think of parks and rec it was like the i was trying to remember
1: the little song oh the say <laughs> something do something that andy dwyer's <laughs> learn something yeah i yeah. can't remember what it is though i, I, I think know.
0: it's like build something learn something i don't know we'll find it and we'll we'll sing it next jo- time the
1: johnny karate show
0: johnny karate
1: Hey guys, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. You can also send questions, letters, and stories to us at our website on You can even leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the show. Send us a tweet at SeekTheBestPod. And for a cat, Kayla and myself, thanks for listening. And we'll figure this all out next week. Bye. Adios. <laughs> this has been a Think Live Bee production.